What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Allie Burke on today's episode. I said that right, correct? Yes. I didn't check with you. Okay. <laughs> Allie Burke <laughs> on today's episode. Uh, I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Girl, I'm just going to toss at you. Start wherever you'd like with your story. Okay. Um, so I'll start by talking a little bit about me and my husband. We have kind of a cool story of how we met and everything. Um, so we met 14 years ago on a Caribbean cruise with our families. Um, we were late in high school at the time and we never really did anything quickly in our relationship. We were long distance for about seven years. Uh, he ended up moving up to me and the only thing we did very quickly was we got engaged after one day of living together. Uh, he moved up here, we went on a trip and he proposed the next day. Um, but otherwise we kind of take our time with things, plan everything out. Um, and so when we started kind of talking about having a baby, we'd already been married for a few years, you know, had the house, uh, just kind of wanted to think everything through. We both suffer from like clinical anxiety. So anything we talk about big in life needs to be, you know, thought through. And there's a lot of just anxiety that comes with everything. So the whole idea of pregnancy, parenthood, that was just a nerve wracking idea from the start. Um, I tend to sell myself short a lot in terms of what I'm capable of and what I can kind of do in life in terms of like the major things. So in my mind, when we started talking about it, I was like, well, we should probably, you know, aim for this time. I think it's going to take us a really long time. I assumed I was going to have trouble getting pregnant. Um, so the idea of actually getting pregnant and getting pregnant quickly was very kind of abstract to me uh, when we started kind of planning and talking about it. Uh, so we started trying in late summer of 2018, um, and again, I'm thinking this is going to take months and months, uh, and we got pregnant after only a few months, which was shocking in and of itself, um, and we found out in early December of 18 that we were expecting. Uh, we were thrilled, uh, again, like I said, shocked, um, but we just, we couldn't really wrap our heads around it because we just didn't expect it to happen that quickly. So it was just, it was a lot of emotions rushing in all at once. Um, the other thing that kind of flooded in, again, I have to always have something to be anxious about. So I was anxious about not getting pregnant and I did. So the next thing that my mind went to was miscarriage. So I was pretty fearful of having a miscarriage from the second I got that pregnancy test. I just, I had no reason to think I'd have one, but I was terrified the entire time. Like looking back on it, I did not enjoy that pregnancy as much as I wish I had because I was just so scared the whole time, every single day. Um, it was on my mind. Um, you know, we went on making plans and stuff and I was excited, but it's just like every day I'd wake up and be like, okay, I'm one day closer to this milestone or that milestone where I might feel safe, but I never felt safe. Um, it was also hard because I was newly pregnant around Christmas time and with family and drinking and it was really, really hard to to hide it and, and to hide my fear too. 
Um, so I had to kind of tamper a lot of that and just kind of keep it between my husband and I, my, our parents knew and uh, his sister knew and our two best friends knew, but I just, I had to tamper a lot of that um, because I am normally a very open book person. So having to kind of keep all that locked in was, was really hard and definitely didn't help my anxiety at all. Um, but like I said, you know, we were excited. We went about making plans and the amount of plans you make in such a short time. I knew I was pregnant for, I think less than a month before I had the miscarriage and just what you plan in that short amount of time is just staggering. Like you don't realize it, especially until after it's gone that, that you made all these plans. Um, so there was a day in late December, it was a few days after Christmas, I believe. Um, I was feeling pretty good. I was having like a not too bad day with my anxiety and the weather was nice. So we went for a walk and it was sunny. Um, I still have pictures that I took on my phone that I actually hid on my phone because I, looking at them, I just remember that day and it's hard. But um, I, so we went for a walk, got home, we're getting ready to have my parents over for dinner. And I had one instance of, I would call it like still spotting, but like light to moderate spotting. Um, I had no pain, no idea. Um, I f obviously flipped out. I know it can be normal. I was seven weeks at the time and I know that can be normal for that early, but obviously I, I'm already freaked out about miscarriage. So I freaked out, called the OBGYN office who I hadn't even seen yet because I was only seven weeks. Uh, they sent me in to do uh, blood work that night. Um, and I had a really high HCG count and everything else looked good. So they weren't concerned and they just said, you know, my first prenatal appointment was a week later. So they were like, just come in then, you know, we'll check everything. Um, and I was feeling pretty good after that. I was like, oh, a high HCG count, that's really good. Um, and I never spotted again. I had no pain, I had no other symptoms. So I was like, okay, it must've just been a freak thing. It was probably from the walk, you know, maybe I, oh, you know, irritated something. So um, after that though, I kind of turned a corner with my anxiety, ironically, and said, I'm not going to let my fear kind of tamper this pregnancy. Like, I need to enjoy this time. I, I, need, I can't live in crippling fear for the next nine months. Like, that's not good for me. That's not good for the baby. So I actually turned a corner with my anxiety and really resolved to do better um, at just, you know, and I also knew we'd be able to tell people in a few weeks and that would make it a little easier. So I was feeling really good actually after that um and i went into my prenatal appointment the following week feeling pretty good um but so we go in there and i'll just i'll never forget that day um we go in again feeling positive feeling good uh the nurse practitioner comes in she was not the nicest person like not a great bedside manner but you know whatever it is what it is so she pulls out um, my office has a little, it's like a little handheld ultrasound machine. It's not a Doppler and you can actually see on the screen. So they use it starting at eight weeks because you should be able to see the baby with the heartbeat, um, even though you can't hear it yet. So she pulls that out um, and, you know, is looking around, can't really see anything, which I figured again is normal for that early. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Um, so she's like, I'm going to send you for an ultrasound. And I'll never forget it. She left the room again, no bedside manner at all. She was leaving the room and my husband said, but that's like normal, right? It's, it can be early to see things sometimes. She goes, well, sometimes yes, or it could mean a failed pregnancy, but we'll see what the ultrasound says. And then she shuts the door. So we're just sitting there like, cool, that's a way to softball that in there. Thank you. 
Um, so we're freaking out. Um, the ultrasound tech was really, really nice. Um, she was really sweet and um, it was an internal ultrasound and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but I have a condition called vaginismus where my pelvic muscles tense up involuntarily. So even going for like annual pelvic exams and stuff is very, very painful for me. Um, so that was not fun, but like I said, the ultrasound tech was very nice. Um, so when we were in the ultrasound room, I saw something on the screen. Um, again, I don't know what a seven week old, eight week old fetus would look like, but I saw something. So I was reassured by that. Um, I was like, okay, well, there's something in there and, and that's probably a good thing. Um, so we go back to the room, we're waiting for the results for what felt like, you know, an hour, but it was probably five minutes. And again, this nurse practitioner walks in and just very nonchalantly says, I'm sorry, but there's no heartbeat. And it was just like, she, it just sounded like she was asking us like if we wanted to go to lunch or what we wanted for lunch. And then she just started rattling off my options for what I wanted to do. Uh, like she was giving us the menu. It was so just not empathetic at all. Um, so I was shocked. My husband was shocked. I'll, I'll never forget. I didn't cry till we left, but he had this look of shock on his face. And as quickly as it happened, it went away, but his eyes filled up with tears. And then he just like very quickly shut that down because he wanted to be strong for me. But I saw it like just in the briefest instant. Um, but we were just, we were shell shocked. We, we didn't even know what to think. I didn't hear half of what she said about what my options were. And it just made a really awful situation worse to kind of have someone just very clinical about it, I guess is the right word. Um, so that was, that was hard. Um, I cried, we went to my parents' house and cried and it was so hard to have to make a decision on top of dealing with this. So I had what they call a missed miscarriage where I had no idea. I had that one instance of spotting one time, which is when it happened because the baby was measuring seven weeks. Um, so I'm very much, I'm pretty sure that that's when it happened when I had that spotting, but I had no idea. My body wasn't showing any signs of doing what it needed to. So I had to decide, you know, did I want to wait any longer, which I didn't cause I had already gone a week thinking I was still pregnant. Um, and I wasn't, um, taking a pill or having a DNC. So just having to make that decision was, was really hard on top of it all. Um, I did decide that with the DNC and I had that two days later. Um, that was probably the easiest part of the whole process. Um, I was really scared because I'd never been put under before, but it was quick. It was painless. The recovery was fine. Um, the doctor who did the procedure was a great surgeon, but she also had no bedside manner. I was really rolling gutter balls with the people at the OBGYN office. Um, she, at my follow-up appointment was again, very like clinical, very like, oh, you know, this happens. Like, hopefully we'll see you back in the spring. And I just felt like I was on a factory assembly line. Like, I know this happens a lot, but not to me. So could you have a little more sympathy, empathy, something, but, um, like I said, the procedure itself went fine and the physical recovery was fine. The one person that I remember from that whole experience was the anesthesiologist who um, put me under. He gave me a lot of comfort. He said um, that he had several of these procedures that day alone. Um, and he couldn't tell me how many women he saw 
you know, in the surgical suite for a DNC, and then how many of the same women he saw later on upstairs in labor and delivery to give them their epidural. So that was really sweet. I thought that gave me, you know, that I know that gave me a lot of hope. Um, and, and I took comfort in what he said. Uh, so after that, emotionally, I was, I was done. I was spent, I was fried. Um, we didn't really know what to do or where to go from there. Like I said, the month I knew I was pregnant, I was living in almost crippling fear and not really enjoying that pregnancy because of the fear of miscarriage. And then to actually have one, I was, I was again, to use the term shell-shocked, I feel like is accurate. Like I, I just didn't even know what to do or, or where to go from there. And the thought of starting all over again, like I said, I hadn't tried a lot, long time to get pregnant, but when I'm a, like a very analytical type A planner person and I, you know, I did, um, ovulation tests. I, I had like a tracking app on my phone. Like I put a lot of work into getting pregnant and, um, to just the idea of like starting all over was, and to have the same fears of miscarriage now multiplied because I'd actually had one. It was, it was just really overwhelming. Um, I hadn't really been attached to the baby as, as a person yet. I think for me, at least, I know there's a lot of women who feel differently, but for me, um, I, because I had never heard a heartbeat or seen a heartbeat, I felt a little bit of a sense of detachment that really helped me cope. But still that loss of the idea, that wish, that promise that I felt I had been given, um, and all those plans we made that are just out the window now, it just left this huge kind of hole in my life, um, in my husband and I's life. Um, it was, it was tough. We, we communicate really well, he and I, I think because we're a product of a long distance relationship. So we kind of had no choice, but it was hard because I had experienced this physically as well as emotionally. And I was, even though I wasn't super attached yet, I was more attached because this baby was growing in me and he still didn't really feel like a part of it yet. Um, so we were in different places a lot of times, like I would have a good day, he would have a bad day and vice versa. Um, so we wanted to make sure we stayed connected and communicated throughout the whole ordeal. Um, so we actually started therapy, um, specifically to help us with our anxiety. We both let it go for several years. Um, and we realized we really needed help with coping with it, especially after this, um, you know, we, we needed to get a handle on just our general anxiety so that we could move forward. Um, so that helped a lot. The other thing that helped is we found a miscarriage support group at our hospital, um, the one that the OBGYN office is attached to where I had my DNC. The thing that bugged me about that is I had to do the research and find that myself. Um, I think the OBGYN office should have had a list of resources for, because this is so common and it happens you know, to so many women, I think there should be resources for emotional support that just by default get like handed to any woman who experiences pregnancy loss. But I had to go online and figure this out for myself that there was one right at, at that hospital. Um, there was never anyone else there, which again tells you how not publicized this is. Um, and it was a uh, run by a woman who was a maternity nurse at the hospital, but who had, I think she had five children and had had a couple of miscarriages and a stillbirth. Um, so she ran the group. And like I said, there was never anyone there. So it was essentially like free two hour therapy for just the two of us every week. Um, or I think every month it was. 
So that was great. So we were addressing our anxiety and the specific, you know, feelings of loss and grieving after the miscarriage and the fears of trying again. So we were kind of going at it from both angles. And I think that really, really helped us um, kind of grieve and move forward. Um, I did know that I couldn't, I needed to fill that void I felt by getting pregnant again. I wouldn't feel complete or healed until I was pregnant again, as scary as that idea was. Um, So we actually started trying right after my cycle came back after the DNC. We didn't want to wait. Um, To me, waiting would have built it up in our minds to be this big, scary thing that we, you know, didn't really want to tackle because it had just we would have built it up for so long and be like well when, when should we do it next month this month well we got this going on we just didn't want to we were like nope we want to get pregnant we want a child and we were just going to keep trying until we got one that was kind of our mentality we just wanted to go for it um, and we just figured you know we'll take it as it comes if it takes a while if it happens right away and I get pregnant again we'll, we'll deal with our emotions you know as as it happens but we just kind of dove right in um we tried for four months which sounds like no time at all now um but it felt like an eternity um you know every time my period came it was just like I got stabbed in the gut it was it was horrible like I would cry and um because I just when you lose your first pregnancy you question would is this ever going to happen for me again can I even carry a child it's not to downplay, you know, secondary infertility or any issues, you know, if you have a child and then you start having miscarriages, it's just your first pregnancy. It's so devastating because you have no idea if your body can even do this, um, can even sustain a pregnancy. You don't know if there's something wrong and just facing those questions month after month, uh, what, for what felt like forever was really hard, um, to contemplate. I did, um, I didn't really have a relationship with the OBGYN office at that point because, again, the people I saw were not very friendly and I hadn't actually kind of come on as a patient because I had that first appointment and ended up not being pregnant. So um, I went to my primary care doctor who's wonderful and she ran a bunch of blood tests on me. Basically, I did research online on what can cause, you know, miscarriages and infertility and stuff and gave her the list and she ran all those tests on me. Um, so she was wonderful and everything came back normal, which was both great and not great at the same time. I think when you experience, you know, miscarriage or infertility and everything comes back normal, you're like, cool, there's nothing wrong with me, but then why did I miscarry or why can't I get pregnant? Um, you almost want something to come back wrong so that you can maybe go on a medication or try a treatment and it'll work. And if there's nothing wrong, it's like, okay, so I just have to try again and, and roll the dice. Um, so that was both good and bad news, but like I said, we just kind of kept on going and we were going to see what happened. Um, so what happened was I did get pregnant again in May of 2019. So like I said, about four months after the miscarriage, um, I kind of, I woke up that morning and I didn't feel like my period was coming, but I didn't feel pregnant either. Um, but I just, I was going to take a test. It was Sunday and I didn't want to go to work on Monday, get my period and just like be crying in the bathroom at work. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to rule it out today while I can take the data to regroup. Um, so I took the test and I didn't wake up thinking I was pregnant, but as the test was going, I was like, I think I'm pregnant. I was kind of almost resigned to it. Um, and so told my husband, um, and 
we just were terrified right from the start. I, you know, I didn't know how this was going to turn out. How did I know it was going to turn out differently? I didn't. And I had no control over the outcome. And that's just every anxious person's nightmare. Um, so we were, I wouldn't say we were even excited at that point. We were just scared. Um, so we just did one day at a time. Um, but I've never been able to take things a day at a time. I always think ahead to, you know, all the 10,000 possible outcomes of 10,000 possible scenarios and, you know, what the worst case scenario is and how am I going to feel about that? And then I have to backtrack and remember that might not happen, but I've already built it up and planned it out in my mind. Um, so that has always been really tough for me to just kind of breathe, take it a day at a time, take a step back. I somehow managed to do that early in that pregnancy. In those early weeks, it, it was hard, but I I think I was just able to take it day by day. I distracted myself with like books and movies. Um, I actually remember one specific time where uh, my husband and I, we, we love reading, we love video games, we love movies and shows. So, um, so that really helped. But the night before my eight week appointment with my rainbow pregnancy, uh, we watched Mary Poppins Returns. It was so random. It had just come out and we were like, yeah, let's just throw that on. And it was just fun and entertaining. And it was engrossing enough that it took our minds off of how terrified we were of the next day. Um, so I, I just remember that. And it was, it was just a nice evening as opposed to just being uh, sitting on the couch, like rocking back and forth in terror. Um, I did a nightly meditation. I found an app for that. Um, it was like, it's called Expectful, I think. It's like a pregnancy meditation app. So um, that helped. And then just us communicating, my husband and I, and then my family and friends helped a lot. We told our parents, actually, when we found out, my husband's parents were on vacation, so we couldn't contact them. And it was killing us. We wanted to tell them right away. We told my parents the day we found out. Um, and we also told our closest friends um, that we were expecting early. I hate that whole mentality of you have to wait 12 weeks to tell anyone. To me, yeah, I would say, you know, maybe don't tell the world, but tell your, your, the people in your life you can count on and that you know will be there for you if something goes wrong. We made that mistake the first time of just kind of keeping it, I think, too tight for people like us that are so anxious and need to kind of, we need to talk it out. We need to kind of voice our, our fears and our, our hopes and everything. So keeping it, tight I think really didn't help me I know with my anxiety so this time we were like nope from day one everyone in our life who we know will support us if something goes wrong is are gonna know so we actually told our best friends um we live in Massachusetts our um best friends live in New York and Arizona and we were had a FaceTime date with them that night so we told them like right away I was like how can I talk to them about like other things when I'm sitting on this news so we told them right away they were super supportive um and that really helped a lot because I was able to call you know like my best friend in Arizona I would call her be like I'm not having a good day and she's like okay tell me what's going on and we would just talk it out so it was just really helpful to have those outlets I think um the other thing that both helped me and hindered me a little bit um was I joined a couple Facebook groups for miscarriage support and rainbow pregnancies after loss they were really helpful while I was dealing with my miscarriage and in the early weeks of my rainbow pregnancy, um, just to ask questions, reach out for support. Um, I would just recommend anyone reaching out for support in that way, just use caution. 
Um, because sometimes I know I was doing this, you can internalize other people's kind of pain and stories and intertwine them with your own. My husband called it going down the rabbit hole because I would just sit on my phone at night and I'd scroll through those posts. Um, and they helped me, but also hindered me a little bit in, in focusing on my own journey. So it caused me a lot of anxiety as my pregnancy progressed that I was going to have a stillbirth or a late term loss. And it just, it got in my head a little bit. Um, and being in a group like that, it feels so commonplace to go through something like that. Um, so it became more of a stressor for me than a stress reliever. Um, so just kind of throwing that in there. But overall, I was glad I joined them when I did. And then I, I backed off. I think I actually left them later in my pregnancy, um, just so I could kind of focus on my journey and where I was at. Um, so with my rainbow pregnancy, I was just shocked at every turn. Again, I sell myself short all the time. I'm like, what's going to go wrong today? Um, but I was just shocked at every turn when things were going okay, things were going well, and we got good news. I will say that because I was expecting bad news, I was the the high from getting good news. I rode that for days. Like the first appointment that we went to, when we saw that little heartbeat on the screen, we were, you know, weeping. We couldn't believe it. It was it was the best day ever, and we rode that high for weeks. Like just knowing that there was a actual like living baby growing inside me was just such a rush and just such a high for for so long. Um, and then at each appointment, you know, the baby was doing great, and you know, the twelve week ultrasound, the baby starting to look like a person, moving around, wiggling, um, just so strong and thriving. It was it was just sometimes tough to believe this would actually work out when even though everything I was seeing and, and, and being told was telling me that it would. Um, but I, I, I did really enjoy, you know, most of that pregnancy. I, I kind of resolved myself too. And like I said, every time we got good news, it was such a rush. Um, it's just hard when the only experience I had with pregnancy prior was ended so badly. You know, I had no good, memories or experiences to to relate to um so i think i really stayed kind of detached from the pregnancy and 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 the baby at the beginning um until i found out we were having a girl which was around we had an ultrasound i scheduled a private ultrasound around 14 weeks which i know isn't recommended but i had we had the 12 week one and then i didn't have um an appointment to at least see the heartbeat until like i think 17 or 18 weeks and I was like yeah nope I can't wait that long so we did a private ultrasound and I think like I said I was 14 or 15 weeks and and the woman said you know I I can see if I can see gender it's still early but if I'm confident I can tell you if you want to know and if I can't see it you know no big deal so we're like yep we want to know if you can tell tell us um so we found out we were having a girl and then all bets were off I always wanted a girl um, my husband did too. So I was like, nope, I'm officially attached. We already had her name picked out and mentally I, w I was done. I was toast. I, I was attached and I was okay with that by that point, I think. Um, like I said, still had my moments of anxiety throughout the pregnancy, but I was, I was in a good place at that point and kind of ready to let myself feel, you know, this joy and this love for this baby. Um, so yeah, the pregnancy went really well. The only issue I had prior to pregnancy was I had high blood pressure, which I'm pretty sure stems from my anxiety. Um, so I was on meds before I got pregnant. And because of that, I was watched super closely the entire pregnancy. 
um, which helped a lot with my anxiety. Um, the other thing I'll say too is I don't, I thought about changing OBGYN practices for this new pregnancy because I had such terrible experiences the first time um, with providers and I decided against it just because I knew it was a big practice and you know location wise that hospitals where I wanted to deliver and everything so I stuck with it and I'm really glad I did because I was able to request a doctor that I had gotten recommendations from coworkers for and she was wonderful and I don't know what it was if I just like it rolled gutter balls that first time, but she was wonderful. All the midwives I saw were wonderful. The office staff was nice. Like it couldn't have been a more different experience. Um, so I was really grateful for that. They were very hands-on with me. Um, very, the midwives especially were great at kind of mentally holding my hand when I was feeling anxious. Um, so I was, I went, you know, for the appointments, heard the heartbeat, which is super reassuring. And then my third trimester, I started going for twice weekly non-stress tests. Um, and it helped me so much to go twice a week, hear her heartbeat, know she was moving around. Um, and she also, I think around like 27, 28 weeks, I started feeling her almost 24 seven. She was kicking, punching, wiggling. Uh, she was such a mover. Um, which helped a lot because I felt her almost all of the time. Um, so yeah, that was super reassuring. I felt like I could really trust them to take care of me and know what was best for me and my baby. Um, you definitely learn when you've gone through any sort of, you know, pregnancy loss, um, infertility, anything like that. I feel like you really learn to advocate for yourself in a way that, I know I didn't and I wouldn't have um, had my first pregnancy turned out well. Um, but after that, I was like, nope, this is what I need. This is what I want. So you definitely get a sense of, of confidence to advocate for yourself and ask questions. Um, I would go into every prenatal appointment with a list of questions on my phone. And my doctor, like I said, was great. She would like, you know, do the heartbeat, measure me, uh, all of that tell me what she wanted to tell me about what was next. And then she'd lean back against the counter and be like, okay, hit me. What are your questions? Um, so she always knew I was coming armed with, um, with questions. Um, I think the hardest time I had during that pregnancy was about six weeks before my due date. Um, we hit early December and that was when I had found out about my first pregnancy a year before and just that time in those weeks leading up to my delivery, I just had a lot of flashbacks, intrusive memories, you know, of being pregnant, being scared, um, you know, the whole miscarriage experience. It was like every day I was lining up. I remembered the day I got the positive test. I remembered the day I miscarried. I knew the day of my uh, prenatal appointment and the DNC. So like all those milestones, I would just get very, um, very down, very kind of sad and emotional. Um, I think the craziest thing was I was in the same exam room where I found out there was no heartbeat at my second to last prenatal appointment where we scheduled my induction. So that was very weird. Um, it was, it felt good and bad at the same time. And I just, I couldn't wrap my head around how much had happened in a year. You know, when you get pregnant quickly and then you get pregnant quickly again, it's, it's a whirlwind. Like it was, it was wonderful to be, have come so far and be in the place that I was, you know, a year later, but it was also just a, a roller coaster. Um, my labor was induced at 39 weeks. Again, because of the high blood pressure, they wanted to make sure they prevented um, preeclampsia with me. My blood pressure was actually great 
for most of the pregnancy. Um, but they, again, they still wanted to take every precaution with me because I did have it, that pre-existing condition. So they induced me at 39 weeks. Um, early labor was very long. It's really hard to go through what other women usually walk around doing naturally in the weeks leading up to birth, but having it artificially started and being kind of locked in the hospital. Um, so it was really long, really kind of touch and go. Um, the second afternoon I was in the hospital, my water broke on its own, which was great. And I progressed really quickly after that. Um, and again, going back to that condition, I have vaginismus, um, cervical checks were really, really tough. They were very painful. Um, I had nitrous for each of those exams until I got my epidural. So um, that helped a little bit, but it, it, it was tough. Um, that was probably the toughest part for me. Um, so after my water broke, I got my epidural, and this is really cool. Um, the anesthesiologist who did my epidural was the same one who did the anesthesia for my DNC. He walked in, and my husband and I could not believe it. We recognized him right away. I, when they said the doctor's name, I was like, I think it might be him. And he walked in, and I recognized him. Um, and he actually recognized us too, but he didn't want to, he, he was funny, he didn't want to say anything. He was like, I don't want to be like, hey, remember me from your miscarriage? So, you know, he knew, we all recognized each other and, and talked about that. And I told him how much he helped us. And I just, we couldn't believe, you know, this um, kind of little reunion. And um, it was, I get chills thinking about that because we had just come full circle and it was, it was a really great kind of moment. Um, so I got my epidural and I was still kind of mentally prepared for a C-section. I know sometimes inductions go that way. And because of the condition that I had, I, I was kind of mentally prepared for that. I wasn't scared of that. I wasn't going to fight that if, if the doctor thought that's what was going to be best for me. Um, the baby's heart rate was dropping towards the end with my contractions, and that was really scary. And I knew that might lead to a C-section. They had to keep turning me um, and everything. So it was a little bit scary. But at that point, I was like, get her out. Just get her out however you need to. But um, I did end up giving birth vaginally, which I felt like superwoman after that. Because again, with my condition, I just didn't think that was going to happen for me. Um, so I was just shocked. I was proud. I, I felt really, really good about that. Um, so, and then of course, just to mess with my head, one of the biggest things I was worried about later in pregnancy was like a cord accident or, you know, her being deprived of oxygen in some way, like tying a knot in her cord. When she was born, the doctor looked at her cord and she had, during labor, tied a knot in her cord. That's why her heart rate was dropping. So I just, she gave me a run for my money and did that to me right before she was even born. So um, yeah, that was, that was interesting. That was fun. Um, and then another cool reunion while I was in the hospital, um, I kept asking all the nurses on the maternity ward if uh, the woman who ran the miscarriage support group was going to be working while we were there. And sure enough, the last night we were in the hospital, she was the nurse on duty and she actually rearranged her schedule and like what rooms she was supposed to cover so that she could cover our room for her shift. And she came bursting in. I love this woman. She had so much personality. Um, she came bursting into the room, gave us, she, I think she pushed another nurse out of the way. It was like trying to take my vitals. Uh, burst in the room, gave us hugs. It was just another amazing reunion that just reminded me how far I'd come, how far we'd come. Um, and like I said at the beginning, I tend to sell myself short a lot and surprise myself at what I can actually do and handle. 
Uh, but becoming a mother after miscarriage has truly kind of shown me how strong I am. And I don't sell my short, myself short nearly as often, I don't think. Um, and I tell people that if I can give birth, anyone can, because I was not, not having it mentally in my mind. I was like, nope, it's going to go this way. It's going to end in a C-section. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. And I did it. And it was, it was an amazing experience. It was a real high to, to see what I was capable of. And I, I think I'm better at, at not selling myself short and realizing what I'm capable of now, especially being a new mom. So that's, that's where I'm at. That's, that's my journey. Literally in my notes, I said, whole episode is loaded with advice. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even feel like I have to ask you, but I always do. If you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Um, I actually have a pretty good metaphor for that. Um, I would say just don't let your fear control you or or shatter your confidence. It's certainly going to shake your confidence when things like miscarriage or any sort of difficulty in life happen, but just don't let it derail you from what you want or what you're capable of. So the metaphor that I used, and I, I literally said this to myself and used it to gauge my mental state almost every day during my pregnancy. Um, this is again from my best friend. She gave me this analogy that fear is going to be in the car. Um, often it's even going to be in the passenger seat and that's okay. Don't, don't let, you know, a bad day with your anxiety, just bring you down and, and, and derail you. Like I said, it's okay that it's going to be in the car and it's going to be okay that it might be in the passenger seat staring you in the face. That's okay. Just don't let it take the wheel. Don't let the fear drive the car. And I loved that. I, I, like I said, I use that every day. I would wake up and say, okay, I'm having a good day. I feel like fear's in the trunk today. Um, and then I, you know, some days, like I said, it would be right there staring me in the face. I just, I would, you know, distract myself with, like I said, a book, a movie, um, talk to someone if I felt like it was going to take the wheel so that I wouldn't go to that place where it's really hard to come back from. Once fear takes over, it's hard to come back from that. So I just really kind of focused on keeping it in check. Um, So like I said, I really liked that analogy because it helped me gauge where I was at mentally. I love that. As somebody with anxiety, I can completely relate. Uh, (laughs) Everything you said, actually. I'm like, "Uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Now, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Um, Yeah, Instagram is great. Um, I'm ACC Burke. I have, like, OCD, so I don't like numbers or anything. So simple, straightforward, ACC Burke. Um, No E on the end. I always have to tell people that because I'm one of the only Burks in the world, I think, with no E. uh, Facebook, I'm on there as Allie Burke. Um, yeah, I'm awesome. still new to the social media thing, relatively. I'm like an 80-year-old woman when it comes to <laughs> it, <but laughs> Well, I, I will link your, I'll link your Instagram in the description of this episode so that people can find you. Um, thank you so much, Allie, yeah. for doing this. I really appreciate it. I couldn't yeah. do this without you girls, so it means the world to me, and we'll stay in touch. Yeah, I love it happy to do it and really nice talking to you because I followed you for a while and I really admire what you do. So this was, this was awesome for me. Thank you. Well, you're very relatable and I loved it. (laughs) Like I said, as somebody with anxiety, I'm just over here head nodding. (laughs) Feel that, feel that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally 
thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.